You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Drawing on inspirations as diverse as Charles Bukowski and the Honeymooners, Romance and Cigarettes is a down-and-dirty musical love story featuring songs of James Brown, Janis Joplin, Engelbert Humperdinck, Tom Jones, Bruce Springsteen, and more. With us today is Romance and Cigarettes director John Turturro, who as an actor has performed in more than 60 films, including Martin Scorsese's The Color of Money, Peter Weir's Fearless Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, and Coen Brothers' Miller's Crossing, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Out Thou, and Barton Fink, for which Turturro won the Best Actor Award at the Cannes Film Festival. John Turturro, welcome to film school. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm very well, thank are you. Yeah. You in New York right now? Yes, I'm I'm home. It's cold, but it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be home. <laughs> oh, very <laughs> good. Uh, this is your third film as a director, Mac, Illuminata, now Romance and Cigarettes. Was Romance and Cigarettes the most fun to make of the three? Uh, yes, possibly, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was also probably the most ambitious of the three, but yes. Certainly yeah. when you're dealing with music and dance, that's always fun. So that's something that I think just brings people, you know, innate, immediate happiness. <laughs> was there a point in time when you are making this that you really felt glowing after when you finished a particular production? There was always so many things to deal with that you would, you know, it would be sort of a momentary feeling of, well, that was good, you know, yeah. now on to the next, you know. Yeah. There were certain, you know, things... Uh, whether we did the numbers in the church, that was fun. You know, I think Kate's scene in in, in underwater. You know, I could oh, tell. Yeah. You know, when she was rehearsing it, that that was going to be something special. This is a story that uh, certainly has its roots in your own story, uh, right. the setting, and how much of this, in fact, is well. Everything, you know. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You know, many things come from life or yeah. your observation. You know, and I think. So when when you do something like that, you have something sometimes, you know, a very particular point of view about it. And I did grow up, like a lot of people, in a little house with a lot of music near an airport. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of people, I don't know if it was near an airport, but a lot of people grew up in very yeah. small houses, these ranch houses that were built in the 50s, yeah. a very feminine color scheme they had, you know, all these soft pinks and blues and these uh, murals that would be painted of uh, you know Japanese gardens or wallpaper that would you know have little the scenes from uh, of, of Paris or Rome or you know uh, London people use music everyday people to escape reality to help them through the day to to fantasize to remember yeah. and i thought that would be something interesting since i kind of grew up that way the story is a story that I'm sure lots of people have seen this happen, whether in their own house or next door. Or It was an uncommon story in the, the neighborhood that I grew up in. So mm. when you're trying to explore something, you know, it can start kind of black, then it turned to black comic, and this turned to black comic with music. <laughs> it kept evolving. I'm struck by having looked a little more into your background. You have a history of being on stage in yes, the theater. And I'm struck by the these last two films, Illuminata and this one, and how easily adaptable they would be as a stage production. And uh, I don't know if this played into how you see 
romance and cigarettes, but I certainly could see this being... Uh, I could, yeah, I could see someone, yeah. I mean, I think it would, it would be easily adaptable. Illuminata started out actually as a play, mm. and then we made it into a movie, and then, and then it's been... Someone actually adap- adapted the movie to make it into a play in, <laughs> in, a, in Portugal, uh, which we were laughing about. Oh, uh, is that right? They and did... the play's been done. Uh, you know, it's called Imperfect Love, uh, that Brandon Cole wrote. Storytelling started out around, you know, people around a fire, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, an, it's a very natural, primitive thing, and, and in the early plays, they did use dance and chorus and music, poetry, you know, with, along with the, the character and thought and, and plot. And you have gathered a tremendous cast here. Um, Susan was in, uh, Susan Sarandon was in Illuminata and some others, some of the people that in this film. Do you, you feel like you have a working company Yes, now? exactly. Well, I, it certainly expanded. I mean, I've worked with some of the people, like Chris Walken. Yeah. James Gandolfini I hadn't worked with, even though I knew him a little bit through my cousin Aida Totoro. Mm-hmm. I worked with Mary Louise Parker, Kate Winslet. I just was a fan of, and I guess she liked my work too, and she was really, she really liked the script. Mandy Moore I had never worked with, Bobby Cannavale I had never worked with, so there was lots of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to have some people that you know and some people that you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, what I wanted was people who could juggle, like Steve Buscemi, you know, he, he can say certain things, Steve, and do certain things, and he has a duality to what he's doing. It's not just one color or note, and uh, a certain kind of, you know, humanity. I, I wanted people who could be very grounded and and could also be, you know, ridiculous, because in life, you know, you're both, you know, so, so that was always the goal. I didn't want people who were, you know, known to be comedians, basically. Now, is that true about Tony Curtis? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these things that are in the movie are things like I read on in Little either in Newsweek or on Page Six, or you know, uh, you know, because I read all the time and I just rip things out. That's and I picked it up and I was like, you know, yeah, do you know, that's yeah, that's, that's kind true. of a jaw dropping story. story. Yeah. It's, it's sort of we'll let people discover. That he almost lost his sex life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's big news in those days. Yeah. You know? One of the keys to the success of this film is. That it's it's pretty obvious to me watching the film that the actors really threw themselves into this. And well, in a, that's in a, the only way you could do a film like that. Yeah, you know, people were interested to do it because it was something different. Yeah, and I also think they knew what you know the world that they were showing. A lot of people were from this world. Yeah. I think most of the people actually had you know backgrounds from you know kind of working class families or you know or even less than that. Yeah. And I think you know everyone has an imagination and. And everyone certainly has a sexuality, otherwise we wouldn't be here. So uh, I tried to, I mean, what I was interested was exploring the profane and the sacred, you know, simultaneously. And they are, you know, connected, like a gnarled branch, really. The film has, it has all the elements of a sort of a a Greek tragedy, if you will, sort of this epic... Right. You know, struggle for redemption. Right. And Gandolfini really does a terrific job of embodying. He has the bluster. He has the sort of the background of him being from the Sopranos. And we know him as that kind of an actor. But he brings uh, a, a real warmth and sincerity uh, to this role that uh, it may catch some people a little bit by surprise. Yeah, I think it gives a, a beautiful performance. You know, he has a tremendous humanity. You know, yeah. he's an actor that you could see. You know, in those 1930s, 1940 films, mm-hmm. you can just see him in those films, you know, because he has something kind of universal about him. And he doesn't a, look like an actor. 
Right. You know, you right. just you look at him and say, well, he looks like a, <laughs> a real man, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, that's unusual, actually. Let's give our listeners just a, a synopsis of the, of the film. Do you want me to give a synopsis? <laughs> well, I could, I but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, basically, it's you know, it's a love, you know, it's a love story. It's a, a triangle. It's a man who's married, his three daughters, and he winds up having this torrid affair. He's not someone who normally does that, and he gets involved with this woman, and his wife catches him. You know, he he, he winds up writing kind of pornographic poetry to his this new woman in his life, this, this scarlet woman, uh, played by Kay Winslet. And what happens is the ramifications of how that wreaks havoc, you know, on a home, which is it's, it's seismic when things like that happen to a house. He struggled to deal with it and has struggled to come to terms with it and, you know, track him down and find and find this other woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, we go from there. I mean, it's a story that's been told a million times. Yeah. But every, basically almost every story has been told, just the way you tell yeah, it. Yeah. So. Now, did you have that in mind when uh, you first came up with the idea? Well, I read that you had been thinking about it since Barton Fink. Right. And did you, did you have any sort of structure, or was it just pretty... I, I had structure that I thought, you know, this whole idea of the cigarette in the beginning and the toe, uh-huh. you know, this whole hot foot idea, you know, and yeah. then the guy screaming and... You know, we start out with this whole big, you know, scene where he gets exposed, basically. Yeah. And I did think about, I had that song for the credits, The Man Without Love. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they, they would be singing. But I, I did, once I once I discovered that, I thought, well, you know, life is like a, a parade. It's like a band. Sometimes it becomes an orchestra. Uh, and then at the end of life, it, it's it's a cappella. Mm-hmm. So that, there was that kind of idea. And also the idea of the cigarette you know, burning out, mm-hmm. and uh, basically, you know, a world more for my parents' generation than this generation, where people equated, equated cigarettes with romance, mm-hmm. and that was a big thing, you know, romance and cigarettes, you know, yeah. people did it all the time, there were commercials for it, there was, the, you know, the Marlboro Man, you know, with the yeah. score from the Magnificent Seven, you know, there was yeah. Betty Davis and you know, the two cigarettes, and now Voyage or Humphrey Bogart, you know, he was always smoking. Uh, so it was something that was part of that that world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people, of course, you know, led to their demise, yeah. you know. Uh, but I thought there was something ironic about that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it also reminded me of a lot of these, you know, love songs, unrequited love, broken-hearted love. Right. Uh, songs like by Etta James, for you know, that's the Etta James sang, for example. What was it that? What's that song? Three cigarettes in an yeah, ashtray. Yeah, three cigarettes in an ashtray. Yeah. That's Patsy Cline. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, and that, I was going to use that, you know, at one time, and then I didn't really need a, a number at that particular time. You know, you, yeah. you need a little break between each one. But mm-hmm. yeah, so there was a lot. You know, the, the coffee and cigarettes is a, is a yeah. one. Uh, all black coffee, but cigarettes are mentioned in a lot of songs. And hey, Frank Sinatra used to sing and smoke. Yeah, yeah. that's you right. Know? And so did Sammy Davis and Dean Martin. Well, so, any, when you know, when you runs counter to everything, I'm sure any voice voice uh, teacher would ever tell you to do. But that's uh, right. They, this, it gave <laughs> it certainly gave it gives character. It does. Right, give it was a kind of macho world. Yeah. So people say, listen, you should be able to be free to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. This yeah. is how life is. You're here, and then you're not here. Like a you know, like a a smoke fairy, you puff and you disappear. And uh, I, I'm not, I, I don't, uh, you know, really support that way of thinking. Uh, but it is, but it but is it's a part of our but culture. It's part of life. Yeah. And I thought it would be something interesting to explore yeah. within the theme of this. Uh, and sometimes that's how love is too, because 
love is like a cigarette. You know, it's like, you know, it's on fire. You you take it out, it's, it smells fresh. You know, you light it up, it's yeah. good for a while, and then it's hard to sustain. And in this movie, it's about a love that's a long love, a new love, young love, crazy love, yeah. you know, and, and, and men without love. <laughs> yeah. So it's all different forms of that, and it's something that interests me. I, I, I think that's the way that colors how we all see the world, yeah. you know, how that is given to you, how you receive it, if you're lucky enough to get it, and how then you are able to, to give it. And, and over a period of time is really miraculous that yeah. people can do that. It really is. It's yeah. it, and very arduous. The the film has a has almost a at the certainly at the beginning of the film it's it has a sort of a honeymooner quality to it about sort of the bickering within the family and the in the the kind of the the dialogue between uh, Susan Sarandon's character and James Gandolfini's right. and, and uh, but as it progress as the film moves forward this film really does have a, a warmth and and in it that begins to really uh take a hold of the film and by the time we get to the end it it, it just it's a very touching film and yeah. i uh i congratulate you on being able to pull off uh, that trick it's it's well, not thank an easy you. thing i mean to... i think you know even if you take something like the honeymooners there was a warmth underneath it you yeah. know it was a short form of it yeah. you know yeah. and sometimes you can't show it but obviously the stakes are high in yeah. the movie even early on and you know the honeymoon is was as successful as it was because it actually was a reflection of a lot of people's lives yeah. and struggles you know and and you know with these dreams sometimes it was you know obviously he was doing it for comic effect, but there was something kind of you know real real about it, so I kept thinking, well, if you took that and I kind of under- come from that world, and if Charles Bukowski kind of did a version of it, you know, yeah. with, <laughs> you you know with Bruce Springsteen. Yes. You know, what would, what would come up? Because those guys write about the same people. Yeah. They all write about the same people. Yeah. We're speaking with John Turturro. The movie is Romance and Cigarettes. You had mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, life being a circus, and this was like a circus, and you have Donna Zakowska. Is right. it the production designer who has designed for circuses and operas? Was that intentional on your part? Because well, she Donna had that? is someone I went to a Yale drama school with. Ah. And I think she's exceptional. She can do all kinds of things. She just did the costumes for John Adams, so uh, the, the miniseries. But Donna and I both like, you know, Fellini, uh-huh. and he has those yeah. elements. He was, and she loves the circus, yeah. and she yeah. has that kind of, you know, sensibility. You know, and uh, she also loves music too. So, yeah, we we definitely were, were that was something that was in our heads, and uh, we both come from the theater too. So you're bringing that yeah. you know tradition to it also. Now, there's a cow on the street in one scene. Yeah, is, yeah is, but that's some, yeah. Everyone keeps asking <laughs> me. About yeah, that. okay. Well, where's the cow? I saw this on television. A yeah. little calf had escaped from a slaughterhouse in Queens. Uh, oh yeah, and it was so. You know, it was, I don't know, so evocative. It was running into cars, and there was a policeman on a bicycle after it. And, and actually, it just recently happened again. And it, I, it happened about five years ago. Yeah, and it recently happened again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not that strange. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the Fellini-esque moment. Yeah, the Fellini-esque, you know. As, uh, and I really yeah. and I appreciate the uh, the sort of the, the three daughters, the sort of Greek chorus that they, that the, the function that they sort of serve in this film. And, uh, who cannot love uh, Mary Louise Parker and 
Well, I knew I was going to love the film when I saw your son in it. <laughs> oh, right. what he was singing? Yeah, right up top. When, yeah. it, when uh, you know, uh, yeah, Lonely the... is a Man Without Love, and right, I saw right, someone right. with his training wheels going down the street singing yeah. that song. I... Well, you know, that's what it is. You know, songs are uh, catchy. They're yeah. contagious. <laughs> yeah. Now, was that you, you think? Who? My uh, son? Your son, yeah. Uh, no, I think there's a little bit of me. I mean, basically, I'm completely exposed with the movie, you know. There's, yeah. there's, a, little, there's a lot of me in the movie, and it's spread all over. You've worked with some fantastic directors in, in your career. Um, obviously, Spike Lee and the Coens and uh, Robert Redford. Uh, we mentioned Peter Weir earlier. Is their style, is their way of doing uh, doing a film leaked into your style? Is there influences here? Well, I mean, obviously, when you get a chance to work with all these great directors, you see you know, the people who are great with improvisation, the other ones who are great with composition, yeah. the other ones, how they set a tone. I mean, Peter Weir is interesting. I only worked with him once. But I loved working with a guy. You know, he plays music on the set, gets everybody. He's always refining the scene, changing it, making you search, you know, to try to make it, you know, truer. And I'd love to work with him again. But he was an influence. Francesco Rosi I worked with. Yeah. He was great compositionally. Yeah. Obviously, Joel and Ethan, you know, how they prepare. And, you know, and they obviously helped me get the money. And they had final cut in the film. They helped in a huge way in the editing room. Uh, But they also have a very nice set, and it's very relaxed and organized. Everyone knows what they're doing. And then you can have fun. It's not just making stuff up. You you can make something up within a very organized structure. And with Spike, I've done lots of rehearsals and improvisation. So, yes, every director does bring themselves to it and their sensibility and their, you know, way and their approach. And they're different. And many directors ask me about other directors. How do they do it? Okay. You know, what do they do? Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I share that yeah. uh, with uh, with people that I like. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because the, the, bringing up the word precise, precision, is a word I would, it really summarizes the Coens. In, yeah. In, in, oh, yeah. In yeah. They are really, you know, well, they're, they're, there's nothing that they're not interested in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, matter of fact, I remember one day Ethan came to my editing room. He wasn't feeling well that day, and uh, you know, I said, "Well, you know, you want, you know, you don't. Have to, you just want to stop by." And uh, we were editing the first scene where James and Susan are fighting, and there's a lot of funny stuff in it. But it was a moment that wasn't funny, and Ethan started laughing. And I don't know what he was laughing at. You yeah. know, he just started laughing. I said, well, "What are you laughing at?" He said, "He goes, uh, and this is on the Avid, obviously." He goes, "The wallpaper." You know, it's so funny. <laughs> he goes, "You know, I love, I love the, the, the Eiffel Tower." You know, yeah. and uh, so there you go. Oh, that's, yeah. that's it. He was cracking up at the wallpaper. Oh, so that's why I love working with those guys yeah. because you do the smallest little thing, and they they understand it. They 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 capture it. And it's hardly ever lost. That's what, you know, movies are like sewing a dress stitch by stitch, you know, and the, the more detailed the dress is, sometimes the more interesting it is. I, I, I can't let you get away without, we haven't even talked about Susan Sarandon. Uh, she is really very good in this film, and she uh, she just brings that warmth and that sensuality to a to every role. She's I think terrific. she does a beautiful job. Yeah. She's kind of one of the anchors of the film yeah. with all these crazy people running around her. Right. And here she is, you know, keeping her head above water and she's been wounded. And right. Susan just, you know, she's been through a lot of things in life and she's a real, you know, team player. She, you know, without her, I couldn't have made the film really. Well, you know, she really helped me make the, fo- uh, the film because of her professional approach and her attitude towards everyone else. And yeah. she just brings a real 
you can relate to her yeah. as a person. Yeah, she's, you know, a real she's human quality to her work that she's yeah. very much in touch with. Yeah, she really is. And finally, I, I pound for pound, one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life, uh, film or otherwise, is Amy Sedaris, and I'm so glad you were able to get her in the film. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's she's amazing. I mean, now that I've been introduced to her, I'd love to use her in something, you know, right. bigger. Did you, you, know, ever, did you, I, you know, I was like, wow, I, I didn't really know who she was, and I you, saw a little bit about her, so yeah. I agree. You know. check, check out uh, Strangers with Candy if you, if you haven't <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, I definitely will. Yeah. That, that was a hilarious scene, too, with her there. Yes. With the, yeah, with the, the, with, the, and, the, yeah. with the fruit man. Yeah. 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 That's and a the, pretty good scene. And the, and the tree in the head. Hey, listen, when you can't find a broom, you got to take, you know, what's better. Use what you got. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming here to film school, John Totoro. Uh, the film is Romance and Cigarettes. It opens uh, around Los Angeles. We we have it on our website. It's where, to, where you can see it. And thank you so much for being here today. Okay. Well, I hope everyone checks it out on the 21st. And thanks for having me. To learn more about film school... Listen to more interviews or subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.